Hello, this is Angelica and Erwan, and welcome to The Cluster Speaks, a podcast talking about D-Genesis, the primal punk role-playing game. Hi, Angelica. Erwan, how are you doing today? I'm doing very good, thank you. I had a huge um, training with Marco. We did some squats, and I pushed 90 kilos, so I was very happy. <laughs> oh, wow. Congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. We're like this close from pushing 100 and uh, was um, a wee bit too heavy for this session. So I was like, all right, next week, maybe. But it was good. You'll get it next time, I'm sure. How are you doing? I'm okay. Uh, a little stressed out, just paperwork stuff. My printer broke and I need a new one. So, but it's it's all right. Otherwise, I'm I'm doing all right. Super cool. Um, that's a special episode, I guess. It's uh, yeah. episode number 10. <laughs> Wow, I can't believe we've already done 10 episodes. Me neither. I uh, I thought that there was a, a probability that we would get bored with this at some point, but it's still going on. I'm very happy with that. I'm really enjoying our weekly meeting. I like it. Me too. I really enjoy it, which makes it kind of sad that this is going to be our last episode for a while until Justition comes out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we, <laughs> I mean, we're announcing it like this, but yeah. So for you listeners, we decided that we would take a break. Mostly summer break until Justician is out to give us some time to prepare new episodes. We want to dedicate season two just to Justician to explore the books, explore the infinities of possibilities. So yeah, this is the last of uh, season one. Right. So don't be disheartened at that news because we will be back in a few months with Justician, special Justician content. You may think, listeners, that it's just two books. How can you have another 10 episodes of just two books? Well, Erwan tells me that it's entirely possible. So Yeah, there's enough content for a, a lifetime of campaigns and uh, endless discussions. So I'm not afraid in any way about just focusing on justition uh, next season. But, I mean, we decided that to end the season, what better as a topic that character death and storylines ending yes <laughs> it's very thematic <laughs> yes. a very broad topic but also i guess extremely central to any kind of adventure and even stories in general yeah i think that one of the actual things that appealed about degenesis uh, in the beginning to my friends and me is that character death is so real, you know, because we came from Dungeons and Dragons, where there's health potions and revive spells, rejuvenate. So character death just doesn't feel as heavy or, you know, it, it's not as, as uh, man, what, what is the word I'm thinking of? It's like a damageless sword on top of your head. Like it's not something that can really threaten you very easily. Right, exactly. You kind of just drink a health potion or cast a spell and you're back up again and you're good to go. But in Degenesis, it's like, no, that's it. You die, you die. Yeah. Game over, make a new character. And I think that it was a little jarring for my friends and me because I remember our very first Degenesis game and how we were so nervous. <laughs> we were super scared to do anything, you know, to pursue leads or take risks. And I think honestly, like even now, even after two years of playing, we're still sort of, you know, we've been trained, I guess, by the rules and the themes of Degenesis not to take those risks. Or if you are going to take a risk, be very, very sure that you have a good chance of success or be prepared to lose your character. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, um, I remember the first 
it was not my first uh, session, but one of my players, he was jamming for his group of friends and he was playing like phosphorites against a group of characters. And he throws like a phosphorus grenade, it explodes and it just one shots a character. Everybody was just like, what? <laughs> what the fuck just happened? <laughs> and it was like this unexpected death that takes everybody by surprise and you're just wondering what happened. And I think the Genesis really does a great job just putting you into a situation where you don't want to you don't want to lose your character because as in most RPG you, you get used to them, you create like a bond with them. But because the Genesis feels so real and it relates so easily to reality, you're just like fuck, I just get stabbed twice and it's done. Like, I can die. Anything can kill you extremely fast. And that is um, a good narrative device, both as a GM and as a player, I think. It's a good motivation not to screw up anything. Yeah, it definitely makes you think twice before charging in or makes you choose your words better because you never know if the thing you say to an NPC, like, is the end. (laughs) And what you said about how we feel attached to our characters, we don't want them to die. I think that's one of the things that is probably hardest for people when it comes to character death, because you put so much time and effort into creating this character. I think Degenesis especially forces you to spend time and effort into creating this character. In other games, you might make a character that's just, uh, you know, for running through a dungeon and getting loot and whatever. But in Degenesis, you're forced to think about, okay, who is this person? Mm-hmm. Why are they doing this? Like, what is their motivation and, and their goal? And what are they willing to do to achieve this goal? And before you know it, you know, like every single character in Degenesis that you're making is, is a real person. Mm-hmm. And so it feels more real to play them than to maybe play your dungeon crawler character in another game. It's hard not to feel like the balance between this is your character and this character belongs to the game world, it's hard not to feel like that's unfair, you know? Like, you need to strike a balance between, okay, this character is mine, and the story that I want to tell, and also, well, this character belongs to the world of the Genesis, and so if something happens to him or her, that's it. Like, I can't get upset over that. Yeah. I think that might be the hardest thing for for players, especially new players, to get used to. Yeah, I I mean, my personal experience with warping games has always been I remember my first GM and it was always about create your character and make a backstory, like a a long backstory that justifies what the character is about and everything. So I never had like, I never played D&D, so I don't have like this reflex or whatever it would be that uh, you seem to be describing. But still, I agree that the Genesis definitely, even if Catharsis is a very simple system for the character creation, it still forces you to think about it. And there's such a huge emphasis that is put on the stories, on um, the narrative drive and all this kind of mechanism, I think it, I mean, you understand that there is something that you need to do if you want to play this game properly, or I mean, to play it as it was designed. This being said, I've never had any character die during my games. I've had like players being very, have like a, a scorcher being crippled or stuff like that, but never had anyone die because I tend, I mean, I already just said that before, but I tend to avoid fights most of the time because I think they are really slowing down the pace of the adventures. And because we only play three, three and a half hours during weekdays, I, I don't really like to spend like most of the session just doing a fight. So I don't really go towards these death dealing events. But that being said, I, I still think that just the idea that something can go wrong very fast and be very punishing even faster that's still something that is very interesting to use 
against, and I, I mean, I don't really mean it, but against the players. Yes, I agree. And I'm in the same boat. I've noticed that I tend to prefer more role play and story sessions versus combat. Yeah. And I've always been this way, even in other games, not just D&D, but like all the other uh, RPGs I've played. I never really cared about combat because you're right, it takes forever. And when we've done combat in Genesis, it took forever. Yeah. And it's not anything to do with not understanding catharsis rules or anything like that. It's just, you know, when you take your time and everyone has to roll and deal damage, it can be tedious, especially if it's a bigger party. Thankfully, it's not a big party in my group, but in others, I'm sure it's terrible. But to get to my point, because of that, I also haven't really had to deal with character death. Now, frankly, my own character has died nearly three times, <laughs> or he was in a situation where he almost died three separate times during In Thy Blood. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know how I got out of it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially it's like a very short amount of time in In Thy Blood, so you don't even have the time like to recover from anything. Yeah, well, two times were with Barges. Oh. So, <laughs> and another time was against. Papa I forgot Chico? his. Uh, no. Neva. No, Neva's subordinate. Lucio. Lucio, yes, I totally <laughs> went one on one against him. Oh my god! <laughs> I don't know how I survived. My god. So anyway, it doesn't matter. I've definitely felt <laughs> like that. That anxiety of, oh my gosh, my character's gonna die. And it's weird because on one hand, I'm like, no, my PC. And on the other hand, I'm like, well, where's the character sheet? You know, like I was, <laughs> I accepted it. <laughs> happened to me as a, as a player. I've not been players a lot of time on the Genesis, but it happened once, but it was, the, the character was specifically created to die. Like it was by design a character that was supposed to die as a purpose for the story. So I could come back as another character a bit later and mostly people being initiated to the Genesis. So anyway, when it happened, it was such a good moment for everyone. Even though it was sad in game, it was also a very good moment because it made them realize that it just take like one good roll from the enemy for you to die. And because you feel so anchored in the story, the death of one character gives you a lot of fuel for new stories. Like so many. It's just like, oh, you died. We're going to fucking avenge you and we're going to track down whoever did that, whoever group they belong to. I think it's something very interesting. And I, I don't like to quote them, but I remember when I watched, like a year ago, when I watched Critical Role, I, um, I remember the... So it's a spoiler, be careful. I remember the death of one of the characters. Yeah, I know that one, yeah. Yeah, and when it happened, I was mortified. But at the same time, the way it happened and the way it decided to deal with it by hunting down the guy who killed him, I was like, yes, that's exactly... Like, they completely forgot the rest of their missions. They just went like, we're going to avenge this character and we're going to do it in the right way. And I think that's exactly the type of thing you would expect from uh, any type of death in combat. That's how I would want my players to deal with it, not to feel like they've been punished, but to feel like it's the opportunity for a new story to unfold. Like, you have so many stuff you can do with that. Yeah, and not only does it open up opportunities for a new plot line, but it also opens up opportunities for each individual character who knew that one, yeah. who knew the one who died. Because a traumatic event like that will invariably change the person who witnessed it, uh, who was affected by it. So... I remember that Critical Role story arc and each character in the party changed yeah. because of that character's death. 
And I feel like without that character death, you wonder where their storylines... Exactly, what would have happened? Where their storylines would have gone? Yeah. And it's the same way in Degenesis. A good character death will do that to peripheral characters. Yeah, I was about to say when I, when I played the killing game, my players didn't encounter Factor. They didn't meet him in any way. Okay. And so they didn't kill him. And later on, when they were going to Britain, they went to Aquitaine. And I wanted to create some drama with another fuse from Aquitaine that knew Factor, but didn't know if Factor was still alive because everything went to shit and Factor completely disappeared. And so there was like this vengeance arc for this specific NPC they didn't know nothing about. But just because they presented themselves as some of the fighters of Toulon that broke the coup, they were framed as being somehow related to the disappearance of the guy. And they were one of the players was tortured for like days and days. So he could give something about that. And they never made the connection. Like none of them understood what was happening. Wow. Because they didn't ask the proper question. They thought it was just like the, the rulers of Akiten being against them and wanting to whatever. Uh, why it was just like one loose guy just wanting to find something or an answer to a personal story. So I completely agree on the fact that you have so many ways to grow as a PC when something like that happens. And I think it's most of the time one of the best opportunities for characters to stay united but grow differently. Because you tend to see characters evolve in the same way through an arc because they go through the same stuff and players tend to align on a lot of things. But this kind of trauma is the best moment to say, okay, it's impossible we're all going to react the same way. So how would we react and what's going to happen? How is it going to change the dynamics in the group? Especially with someone dying, it creates like a vacuum in the position this person was feeling. So what are, are you going to replace that? Is it ever going to be replaced? Is someone going to take that into themselves to try to do better? Or I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely fascinating to think about all the different possibilities and to witness that kind of change go through the entire party. Now that I'm talking about it, I wish I could witness it myself in my own playgroup. But <laughs> I also know that all of us are attached to our characters. Um I'm the GM and I'm attached to the characters, yeah. you know, and I know that in the future there will be maybe NPC death that will be traumatic. I think that might be a way of uh, kind of playing into it, but it's still not the same. I mean, it's not exactly the same because they know that it's an, it's an NPC, so it's... Like there is the meta knowledge that it's not exactly the same. Yeah. And it's, it's not the same in the way that it doesn't create a trauma for the players as well. It's just a card that the GM removes from the, uh, the equation. Whereas when it's a player losing their characters, it's like you lose something. Like, yeah, that's true. Part of you that disappears from the table. And the group dynamic changes when the new character is introduced the player's newest character because suddenly they're a stranger or. I don't know, maybe they choose to play a, the NPC role and then that NPC becomes more important Yeah, because they become a PC. That's actually something that I never know how to deal with because it's it's always very strange to me that there would be like this kind of deus ex action that makes, oh, someone dies and someone comes to take the place. It's how oh, fortunate it is. I don't really like it. I think it's not the best thing. And I'd rather have the player be out of the game for quite a bit and just not come back until there is a good reason for them to come back. That's, oh yeah, that's actually something that happened to my party back during the killing game as well. One of the players was uh, an apocalyptic and he wanted to create his own flock in Toulon. And he, he opened a, a pit fight uh, called the Sudden Death. And on the opening night, the building just caught fire and like a <laughs> hundred of people died in the event. Oh, that's awful. Yeah, completely awful. It was traumatizing. The session was very, very, very traumatizing. 
there was one exit for the entire building. So everybody was trying to exit from this place. And the smoke and the fire and the fire were just taking and taking and taking and people just died on their way to the exit. And so the resistance came and they started counting the dead. And I was just like, I don't know, I'm going to count how many people died. So I decided to, there was like 150 people and I rolled a, a percentile die. And it was like 95 people died uh, in the, uh, oh <laughs> in the fire. I was like, all right. <laughs> and so anyway, the character decided to take the blame on himself. And there was a judgment, like a, a huge trial made by the Tulani. And the sentence was death. Like, as explained in the, in the killing game, when you do something like that, you're taken into the sea, attached with your end tide and your leg tide, and you're thrown to the sea. And if you manage to make it back to the coast, all right, you're not guilty anymore. And so here is his death. He's thrown to the sea. And I'm like, okay, sorry, you can't play with us anymore. We are going to try to find a way for you to come back, but not right now. And so the thing is, the player and I made a deal with another NPC that saved him and gave him to the black flock. And the black flock came, saved him, but he was away for like five or six sessions, like completely unbeknownst to the other players. And six sessions later, he comes back while they are having a meeting in a place. And I'm just like, as you talking, door opens and he jumps in the conversation and beam, the character arrives. And everybody was like, what? We thought you were dead. What's what the fuck? And <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> that was like such a good comeback. Nobody expected it. And for a long time, they thought that the player and I were in, in a bad relationship because of the death of the character and because he was not coming back to the, the table. And it made them really wonder, what are we going to do? We, it was one, a very important character. It was also like a good friend, like so many stuff we can't deal with. And there was no plan for any new NPC to come back and take the place. It was so weird and very interesting. I think that's a really interesting way of doing things. And to your point about how it's strange for a PC to leave and then another PC just joins the party yeah. at the same time, I think it's because I don't think most people would be okay with not playing with their friends for five or six sessions in a row. Oh, really? The fact that your friend was super onto that plan and like thought it was really cool yeah. is such a neat way of storytelling. And I really commend you guys for staying true to that and making it realistic and also not telling your other, like the rest of your, uh, of your group. <laughs> Sounds so good. It was fun. I mean, we played on the side, just E and I, we just played on the side, what he was doing with the Black Flock, how he was repaying his death and all this kind of stuff. But definitely that's something good. But yeah, I just don't know how to deal with it when it comes to like, how believable it is that a character would die and someone would come to take their place. It's like a weird mechanic that any group of normal people would not do in real life, you know, like, yeah, it's not, oh, yeah, our best friend just passed away. Let's find a new one to replace him. And it's like, most of the time, the group just diminishes and it doesn't grow back to what it was before. It's, it's different. Yeah, which is why I like the idea of, let's say the PCs have made friends with a bunch of NPCs or allies, at least, then... Yeah. The player can choose one of the NPCs and convert them into a PC. I, I like that method because at least your group has established a connection with this character before. Yeah. And it's not just some random dude like coming in and being like, hey guys. But yeah, it's tough. I guess that's another reason, maybe a subconscious reason that I haven't killed off any of my <laughs> PCs yet is because um, my players have invested all this time to their characters and then to rearrange the dynamic like that mid-campaign feels a little weird. Yeah. And it's just easier to keep things going the way it's going. So who knows? They almost died last session because none of them rolled well enough to realize that there were Ferromancer drones approaching. Yeah. The only reason they survived is because they, as characters, were like, you know what? This feels weird. We should leave. <laughs> Woo. 
but they totally almost died. <laughs> Do you cheat as a GM to save them sometimes? Like in combat, you mean like rolling and then saying a different number? Whatever the situation, I know sometimes I do it. Like when I feel like something is a bit too tough and it would do them real bad if it happened the way it should happen. And you like end wave it in a way that it saves them a tiny bit. <laughs> I've done that as a GM, yes. Uh, I'm trying to think if I've done that in Degenesis. And I think I have, but not in this campaign, in like one of my shorter sessions. Yeah. And I've definitely done it in like D&D and stuff where it can be very brutal <laughs> if I roll really well and they don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I think it's like the extremes of D&Ds. It can go very fast in like a whirlpool of like chaos and um, punitive actions where in the Genesis, it's so short that there is no way that it can just escalate. It's just very good or very bad. There is no, yeah. like, there's no surprise. Oh, I, I did a natural 20. Fuck. Damage double. And oh fuck, I roll super high damage. You fucked. Yeah. There's no surprise like that. It's always like fixed damage. And that's true. There's no big surprise into what's going to happen to you. I think the way I usually cheat as a GM is if I am too lazy to do combat, you know? Like, as an example, in an older campaign, not short campaign, one shot ish yeah. thing that I ran. Did you listen to our episode on the one shots? <laughs> <laughs> I had the PCs sneak up on some guards and I was like, okay guys, what are you going to do? And instead of like going through combat and stuff, I just listened to their plan. And if it sounded reasonable, you know, like if I figured they could kill this guy in one shot and it was, they had a fairly good chance of doing it. I was like, I just gave it to them. Yeah. I didn't bother like going through the whole role initiative thing. I just felt yeah. like the pace would have slowed down dramatically if I had started combat. So I just let, I just gave it to them. I'm completely aligned with you on this one. I tend to think that sometimes rules are cool, but sometimes narration is like way more, and pace is way more important than playing by the rules and being like, oh yeah, so you're attacking him, you have to do your stealth action and you have to do your melee action. And maybe you'll deal enough damage. Eh, you know what? In real life, you would just kill the guy. So yeah, right. Let's do it like this. Another question is, do you plan story arcs for the... Um, I mean, it goes back to the conversation we had with Eric, but do you plan some big plot you want for your players to go through? Or do you just wait for it? And how do you plan to end their arcs of evolution, if any? So I obviously have the campaign plot that happens regardless of what the players choose. But I do encourage each player to think about character arcs. In fact, very recently I said, hey, think about how your character might evolve or how you want him or her to evolve now that you've gotten to know them a little better, played them for a few sessions. And they got back to me. They were like, yeah, this is my idea. And they were all really, really hyped up about it. And that means that they all have ideas for their own character arcs. And I don't want to dictate that to them. I want them to choose it. And then I want them also to tell me whether they have achieved it or not, because I think they would know that answer best. And <laughs> You know, I think that in games, in tabletop RPGs, where you really don't know what's going to happen next, that the GM has an idea, but like, obviously the GM isn't controlling everything because the players contribute and the players have an idea, but then the GM might throw some unexpected thing at them that yep. changes their plan entirely. Yep. And so in this kind of collaborative storytelling effort, I think that you can't have a fully fleshed out character arc ever, because if you do, and then... Then something unexpected happens. What do you do? You know, you're either super disappointed and you throw a fit like a baby or you roll with it and you adapt. And then you stand with your GM and say, hey, you know, like, I kind of want to change my ideas. 
could we do something like this? And I think it's even outside of the session, it should be a collaborative effort. That's interesting. I, I don't discuss too much with my players. Like I like to ask them, okay, what's the next step for you? What would you like to do next? Or what's, uh, what's like the, the next big thing you would like to achieve? And on the previous very long campaign that I had, I had like one huge story arc for every PC. I had like a huge plot for each of them, something that was tied to the overarching story, but at the same time would tie back to each one of them in a way that would make them feel involved and like they would have their own moment of glory, of evolution and of achievement at some point in the story. But I never managed to reach the moment where any of them actually accomplished what I had in mind, which was a bit disappointing for me. The only moment that was very cool was when we did like a huge post-mortem for the campaign and I explained to them what I had in mind and how it what the story were and what, and I didn't know how they would go through them, what they would decide to do. That was a cool moment because it, it helped them actually make peace with their characters and be like, okay, the story is done. I know where it was supposed to go. But I've never been in a campaign that finished in the sense that I've never had any character be complete like, okay, that's all I can do with the character. I don't have any further story to do with it, to tell with it or anything like that. So I'm not entirely sure how I would handle it. Maybe that's something you know better. Maybe you've reached like this perfect moment in a, in a campaign. I can't say that I've ever reached a perfect moment like that in a campaign, but I have retired characters in Degenesis already. Yeah. My very first character was an apocalyptic and I no longer play him because after one campaign, it was basically a short campaign focused on the flock itself, our flock. And there was this internal struggle going on, like this coup that was brewing. And our job as part of the plot was to stop it. I mean, my character had no idea what was going on. Like we were eventually brought into it because the focus of the story was actually one player character and her goal was to be Raven of this flock. So she had a lot more of the information and the rest of us were just brought into it as the game progressed. And eventually it became this whole like whodunit kind of race against the clock to stop the coup from happening. And eventually, so we did stop the coup. We made her Raven and it was really a cool experience, honestly. But at the same time, this apocalyptic was my first character for Degenesis. And I made him at a time when I didn't really understand the game. Yeah. So, you know, looking back, I could have done more with his backstory or chosen different things about him, um, yeah. allocated his stats better. <laughs> uh, yeah, come on. <laughs> and so I felt like, okay, well, on one hand, we just did this really cool story where we basically climbed the ladder of the flock. Mm -hmm. One character became Raven, and since like the rest of us were really close with her, like our characters were close to her, we became like her right hand. Yeah. yeah. You know, her right hand man and bodyguard and whatever. And so it was like, this is cool. But where do we go from here? Because if this Raven is not actually going about having adventures, if she's the one giving orders, our characters aren't going to go out because they're her bodyguard now or whatever. And that just didn't, it didn't feel like we could continue. And I, it wasn't in a bad way. It, it wasn't like just a disappointment. It felt like, okay, we've reached a good point where we can end these characters' stories. Maybe we can use them as NPCs later. Or, hey, maybe, who knows, we could pick them up later if we want to, like, yeah, yeah. a few in-game years later or whatever. Yeah, but I think that's actually something that's... I think we already had the discussion, but a lot of people want to start with the very high-ranking characters. And I think 
these are the characters that have the least amount of interesting stories attached to them, at least in terms of, you know, in terms of what you can do as a group, because it becomes inherently political and very quickly you don't do much. Like you just have a lot of responsibilities and not a lot of what you have to do is based on what you have to do with other people from other cults. It's like more and more about just your own cult and what you have to do in it and all this kind of stuff. So I think reaching like this kind of level is a good way to retire a character in the same way that you did with the Raven and uh, the Associates. Or you can do it in a different way, but it means retiring most of the characters and focusing on one of them to take the story elsewhere. But then it becomes a bit strange for, I guess, the dynamics completely changes and it's uh, something you have to discuss with your players, I imagine. But I, I'm very curious to see what would happen if I ever managed to reach a state in a campaign where it's time for people to just say, okay, this character is done. There's nothing else we can do with them at this point in time. It's just better to just say, okay, you don't deserve to die, but pursuing the story would not bring anything better to the story. Yeah. It's a tough spot to fight in tabletop RPG. I think so. We talked about how obviously characters have short-term goals that they want to do, like, yeah talk to this person or retrieve this item, but then they have those long-term feelings or, you know, the internal evolution. And I think what it really boils down to is, did that happen? Even if you didn't reach the ideal goal, your destination or the highest rank or whatever, did the character change? Yeah. Did they evolve in the way that you wanted? And if the answer is yes, then I think that's one metric that you can use to decide can I end the story here or should I end the story here? Yeah. There's also the situation where maybe you have to end a character's story prematurely, not necessarily killing them off, though it's certainly a way to do it. Just because you decided you don't like that character anymore or you're tired of playing this specific cult or I don't know, it just didn't turn out the way you expected it to or you just came across a cooler idea. Uh, there are so many reasons to end a character story prematurely. And I think that's the sort of situation that's particularly hard because on one hand, you've done all this work already and your GM has done all this work for you, for your character. So in these situations, I think it's a matter of figuring out how to proceed. Yeah, I mean... That happened to two of my players um, right after the killing game. I mean, it, the killing game was really like the climax of the very big first arc of the campaign. And one of the players was doing his first role-playing game with the Genesis, and the campaign was his first campaign ever, his first character ever. So he was learning a lot with this character. And during the killing game, he was playing a scourger, and the scourger lost his leg one of his legs, and so he was crippled. And after that, we had like a long discussion and we're like, okay, it's not impossible for you to play this character, but there's a big but. It's going to be very complicated. And you have two options. Either we decide what's going to happen to him and what his life is going to be. And we can have like a happy ending where he, he becomes like this wise coder that has a lot to teach and blah, 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 blah. Or you can decide to go on a quest to find a way to have an, a new leg, like a prosthetic leg or whatever. I don't know. Like you can go after a MacGuffin uh, for the sake of going after a MacGuffin. <laughs> And he was like, you know what, it was my first character, I think I didn't do it right, I'd like to change. And we came up with a new character, and that was a nice way to stop. And the other one was the apocalyptic that I mentioned earlier, and the player, which was a very good player, and he was also one of my very few The Genesis GMs, he was like, I think this character doesn't fit in the group. Like, he had fun with them, but what they want to do doesn't align in any way with what he has in mind. Like he's an apocalyptic, but they are all going after this artifact and trying to save the world. And it's not his way of life. He doesn't care about that. He couldn't give a shit. 
So let's just retire the character. He's just going to go back with the girl he, he fell in love with and try to build his own flock and do his stuff and do what he actually wanted to do. And that was a nice way, I think, to close this character. But it did not come... What I meant before was that it didn't come with the end of the campaign or the end of something that was planned. And that felt to me as a satisfaction. I was not like, yes, this character is done. It didn't feel like that. It felt more like, oh, yeah, it just doesn't fit anymore. And maybe it's best to stop. Yeah. And that's realistic, honestly, because not every person in life that you encounter is going to leave your life because, oh, I was satisfied with our time together. Yeah. Or whatnot. Yeah. So I get that. And um, I think it's great that you know, you were able to sit down with both of these players and, and come up with good solutions for how to phase that character out of gameplay in a, in a way that makes sense, that is realistic, you know? Yeah. It doesn't have to be dramatic, like, oh, this guy dies against, no. I don't know, <laughs> a big psychonaut or whatever. No, but at the same time, it was a bit strange because they had spent like a lot, lot, lot of time together. And after they started doing their other stuff and going after Jamed's will and everything, there was not like one conversation that mentioned these people they left behind, you know. It's as if in a year or so, I go on with my life and I never talk about Marco again, you know? Yeah. It would be very strange. It would be like denying an entire part of my story. And I think it's part of what is so strange about RPG. Like you have this huge suspension of disbelief on a lot of stuff and you accept that you're never going to think about some stuff because... The player is playing someone else, so you're not going to bring back the old character into the conversation, which I think is a bit stupid sometimes. And I don't even know if it's intentional, but it feels like it because some aspects of the story were completely forgotten. And I think it's not a nice way to say goodbye to a character and welcome other characters. It's, that's something weird for me. I do agree that that is very strange. And going back to Critical Role for a moment, I know that after that one character died and his player brought on a new character... The other characters still talked about the one who died. Yeah. Like regularly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's a very good thing to do because like you said, it's realistic. Like they lost their friend. If I lost my friends in real life, I would talk about them all the time. Of course. And I think it's it's one of those things that maybe uh tabletop RPG players just don't think about Probably, because yeah. maybe they don't encounter it a lot. Even in real life, I don't know that people necessarily encounter that kind of scenario a lot. I know people who were important to me in the past, but we haven't really talked in years. And I don't really bring them up that much. I do think about them a few times, but I guess it really depends on the person. Because I yeah. agree, if you didn't talk about Marco ever, like a year from now, I would find that very strange. Because I know how close you guys are. Yeah, it would be strange. But at the same time, if you didn't, I, I wouldn't like question it because... Whatever is in your head, you know, whatever is yeah, that's private to you is, is your business. That's fair. But I think it comes more with um, the interpretation of the players rather than like, I don't think an intentional. I don't think it's yeah. like something they think about and they're like, yeah, we're never going to talk about this character again. It's more like they just go and get in the, with the flow of the story. And for example, as a GM, I spend a lot of time reading role-playing theories and all this kind of stuff. I don't know if my players do the same, mm. you know, about like reading how to interpret a character and all this kind of stuff. I mean, I don't mean to say that all players should be expert players and professional players and they should have like this perfect interpretation of characters. But I think there's good stuff to learn from reading experience uh, feedbacks and all this kind of stuff. It's, I, I mean, I don't know. It's strange because RPGs are not like a hobby. You talk a lot with the other people like you don't share your experience very often. And so you don't share how you play, you don't share how you think, all these kind of things. 
but when you're a GM, that's like most of what you do. You're like, oh fuck, I'm in this fucking situation. Oh, am I going to deal with it? And you go seek the the help of other GMs. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm totally agreeing with you. I don't think it's intentional either for most players. I also don't think that a lot of players think about playing yeah. as much, you know, like role playing. And you and I as GMs, you know, longtime GMs also, we think about character evolution and introspection so much in comparison yeah, yeah, yeah. to the average player. And I think that it's one of those things that we as GMs have to facilitate a little bit. I think that it's kind of our responsibility, especially with players who don't do it on purpose or who don't realize that they can do it. For example, I take a lot of time to insert moments in each session where all players do is talk to each other, like characters talk to each other in party RP, mm -hmm. as opposed to RP between the PCs and NPCs. And I'm, I literally will say, okay, guys, this is a good time for you to RP with each other if you want. Just tell me if you're okay with moving on to the next part of the game or if you want some time to roleplay with each other. I literally say that. And I think it's really important for us to facilitate those kinds of internal character introspections and inter-party dialogue. I mean, I don't do it that much because my players always... They spend a real huge amount of time just talking between each other. Sometimes, when was that? Two sessions ago? Yeah, two sessions ago, I think. They spent like two hours just talking. And I was like right here sitting and just taking notes. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, answering questions like once in a while. But the thing is, I do like it. The only issue I have with that is when they only talk about the mission and they don't talk about themselves. Like they don't talk about their life. They don't talk about what they like, what they don't like. And again, it's part of this suspension of disbelief of like people only talk about work or they only talk about this very big objective they have in life, which I don't believe. Like even when I'm working, most of the time I'm talking about other stuff than work. Like I'm talking with my colleagues, I'm talking with my boss, I'm talking with whatever. But I'm not just talking about how oh, I'm going to achieve this specific obstacle. And I think players tend to, and I think we already had this discussion, but they tend to be so focused on this game aspect that is we have to achieve this mission that has been given to us by the GM. So we need to do it. And there's only this one focus in our life as players that they tend to completely forget the rest. They tend to completely forget that their characters have needs and passions and stuff like that, that they can go through themselves. Like, I don't know how to express it, but I feel like there's, or again, this disconnection between what the players talk about, what the characters talk about, and what the players make the characters talk about. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. I have seen it before in other games and in other players. And all I can say is when we recognize that happening, when we see that happening as GMs is try and... Like for me, I will use NPCs to talk about non-mission things with my players, to ask the characters uh, non-mission related things. And I think it works out a little bit. The only reason that I'm so like heavy-fisted about in-party roleplay right now is because we have a new tabletop gamer in the okay. group, and so we're you know I'm kind of establishing that kind of I guess group culture. So yeah, we kind of got distracted from our topic. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean it's okay. I think it's uh, anyway it's the last episode of the season, so it's fine. But yeah, definitely I think to go back to the topic, I think in both cases. It's something that requires players to think about it as well, like how they want a story to end and if they are okay also with their character possibly dying. As you said, I don't think dying is always the only way to deal with the end of an arc. It's one of the ways, not necessarily the easiest, I would say, but it's a way. And I guess it's the most common people think about. But yeah, I've not, I didn't have to deal with it in the past. Like I'm, I'm very lucky I don't have to kill players. <laughs> 
No, I'm I'm the same way. I'm very relieved that my players trusted their well, my players made their characters trust their instincts. They did not just stay and watch the fireflies do strange patterns in the air. <laughs> What would you do with the TPK? How would I deal with it? Yeah. I think honestly, I would make sure that the players realize beforehand that it's possible. I wouldn't outright say, "Hey guys, like this would result in a TPK." I would allude to it through in-game situations like That really awesome Anabaptist warrior gets one-shotted, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> be careful, because yeah. that might be you. And uh, I think before we start a campaign, I think we always remind ourselves we could lose these characters. It's seriously possible. This world is dangerous, and like two of you can't fight. And I think keeping that mindset, reminding them constantly that the world is dangerous is important. Mm -hmm. Of course, you don't have to put them on edge all the time. But, you know, lull them into a sense of security and then yeah. do something terrible, you know, like just remind them occasionally that it is a dangerous place. And then if the TPK does happen anyway, I guess like the postmortem is a good idea. First of all, let the players talk amongst each other about what happened, how do they feel about it, what could have been prevented, and just like let them mourn their characters for a moment. Like, I don't think it's a good idea to suddenly... push character sheets in front of them and say, okay, oh, come no. up with new characters. Like, that's that's so insensitive. Yeah, yeah. Let them mourn their characters and what they could have been. And then when they're ready, they'll approach you with new character ideas. The game doesn't have to... Like, you can stop the game and be like, okay, we're done for now. Let's just chill and decompress and talk about anything. We could talk about the game. We can talk about other things. We'll just hang out. And then when they're ready, they'll approach you with, with new character ideas, and then you can start building up those backstories and potential character plots from there. Yeah, I completely agree. If it's done right, I think I would like to do a TPK. <laughs> Not on purpose, but I think, I think there's something very cathartic in having all the players die in a very dramatic way. And I think I really like romanticize it. I really like see it in a way very dramatic, like, oh yeah, everybody dies, shots taken <laughs> away. And you just see the thing completely dead and then fade to black. And then you have a, a long conversation about what just happened. But as you said, I think it's interesting to put the characters and the players on edge. Not all the time, but to make them understand that anything can happen. That's something I still have like a, <sighs> such a hard time balancing. I struggle a lot with the right amount of threats and the right amount of repercussions and consequences to whatever they do. And um, I mean, we, we had this conversation I think it was this morning about, oh, I'm too nice with my players. <laughs> Marco was making fun of me and like, like, oh yeah, you give them a promotion in the first uh, scenario. And I'm like, at the same time, I'm like, you can't just make everything have consequences right away. And you can't just punish players right away with whatever they do. All that to say, it's still tough for me to kill a player and to be like, I'm going to punish you for what you, you did. Not in the sense like you've been a bad boy and you deserve to be punished, but this action needs to have a consequence and I need to find the right amount of what is fair for what you did. I struggle so much with that. I'm the same way. I have not killed a player yet. I've been close, but I tell myself that it's going to be one of those situations where I will just know that the death of this character is the most appropriate consequence of this action. Mm. I hope that I will know just based on my experience as a GM and as a player too. But I don't know. I can't say until I've finally killed one. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you say that. Until I've killed one. <laughs> What can you do? <laughs> yeah. 
Did we have any uh, final thoughts or last bits of advice for our listeners? We've reached the hour mark. I mean, I think it boils down to what we used to say uh, on each episode. It's a lot of communication. It's a lot of making sure that everybody's on the same page, that the goals are aligned. Everybody is okay with this type of consequences, meaning death. As for the storylines, I think it's like a constant conversation you should have with your players, not after each session. I mean, it depends on how regularly you're playing, but you should definitely have a conversation with them to just adjust, like, you know, see uh, where the compass is and where they want to go and what they would like to do. And then you just align with that or you play a bit with what they want to make it more or less accurate. I think that's a good rule of thumb when it comes to this kind of very specific long-term topic. I think another thing to mention is that ultimately this is a game and it should be fun for everybody. No! (laughs) No! (laughs) Just for the GM! (laughs) (laughs) And what I was going to say is if the consequence of an action, i.e. a player death, is not going to be fun, don't do it. This game is an agreement between players and GMs, between each player and the GM. So if a player says, yeah, I'm cool with this character dying because I understand this world and its consequences, then be sure that whatever death that character gets, if they die, of course, big if, that it's fun. Yeah. Not necessarily fair, because it's hard to say that a death, a character death is ever fair to a player. Fair death. <laughs> but as long as it's fun. And if a character is, or if, I'm sorry, if a player is seriously like, no, like, I don't, I'm not ready to let go of this character, then don't kill them off. <laughs> it's that simple. I tend to agree. All right. All right. We did it. Oh, episode 10, season one. Next one on Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> if only. No, but seriously, listeners, thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if you have listened to all 10 episodes, Thank you for your dedication and I guess for putting up with us for 10 hours. (laughs) Um, (laughs) No, but for serious, thank you for uh, sticking with us this entire time. And we hope that you return for season two, Justician Edition. And if you have any questions, if you have any topics, ideas, if you want us to address specific elements of the lore or whatever, please let us know. You can find us on Discord, on Twitter, on whatever. I mean, we don't have the class to speak Twitter, but you can find us very easily. And I guess, thank you so much. I mean, I mean it. Thank you so much for following us. It was just a fun project and I'm starting to take it very seriously. So yeah, it was an adventure. Yeah, it was a cool adventure. All right. Well, see you in season two. Yep. See you next time. And check out DGenesis at www.dgenesis.com. Don't forget to listen, citizens. Sometime the cluster speaks.